Welcome to Season 3 of Dating After Death, a podcast dedicated to the journey of finding love again after losing your forever person. And I'm your semi-anonymous host, but if you know, you know. I just want to talk to you really briefly about better help as part of your journey toward healing, toward understanding yourself, and toward self-awareness. I don't know about you, but I have found that there is a lot to pay attention to in this post-loss life. My therapist really helps me to identify those things, to help normalize them for me, to help me to know that this is all part of the process and how to move through the really hard stuff. BetterHelp makes all of this easy. They make it easy for you to find the right therapist for you. They make it easy for you to do therapy from your home amidst a very busy life. The cost is incredibly affordable compared to what you would pay elsewhere. And I know several people in the community have signed up and have had good experiences. So I just want to really encourage you, if you are in need of therapy or searching for it, to check out BetterHelp. And of course, we have a code. So if you go to BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dating after death, you'll get 10% off your first month's membership. I have tried to be very clear in my entire dating after death experience that this is complicated. There are a lot of really beautiful things about falling in love again and looking for love again and knowing that that is what you want in your life. And you are dating human beings who are also complicated. And my guest today wanted to talk about that specifically because one of the challenges in doing this in a public way or even in a private way next to people who are doing it in a public way is filtering the fact that not everybody is sharing the whole story. Actually, probably nobody is. And there's good reason for that. We don't want to air all of our dirty laundry, per se, on the internet about somebody that we love. I find this difficult for myself, even when I was actually totally anonymous and nobody knew who was the author behind this page or this podcast, I found it difficult to put the really, really hard stuff up there. There are still things that I think and feel that I will never put into text or say out loud as a widow. And then when it comes to my relationship with my boyfriend, I love him. I am not going to talk to the world about the things that are challenging about our relationship on a regular basis, or even completely because those are for us to work out. But the problem in doing that is that other people can look at anyone's relationship and think they've got it perfect, or they don't have to deal with these things I'm dealing with. And deep down inside, we all know that that's not true, but it's a hard thing to remember. So today I'm talking with Lauren, whose Instagram page is Sorry We're Friends, about the realities of dating somebody after losing your spouse. She has a lot to offer. It's a great conversation. And I'd encourage you to remember this when you are in your next challenge with your future boyfriend or girlfriend or the one you're currently dating. So let's jump right in. So hi. Hi. I'm really so nice happy to, to officially meet you. You too. And I think probably since like the podcast launched, people have been like, you should talk to Lauren. Well, I take that as a huge compliment. Yeah. I think people really have been connecting with you for so long. You know, your Instagram has always been like very real and raw and honest. You, I know you were one of the first people that I found that was actually creating content around grief and widowhood. And so I'm thrilled to have you. I love that. So can you start by telling us your story? Yeah. I met my late husband in 2010 and we got married. uh, Just quick story. We got married in 2016. So we were together for five and a half years before we got married. 
And then had our little guy about a year and a half into our marriage. And um, in 2019, our son Lawson was 14 months old. And Kevin, my husband at the time, was very big on cycling and he was racing mountain bikes professionally. And he had taken some time off to be with myself and to be a father to Lawson. And we had finally just gotten into the groove. I was getting my master's done and um, he was had been so helpful with all that. And he was kind of like itching to get back into the racing world. And so had asked me, I don't know, it's probably like summertime 2019, like, hey, you know, are you starting to feel comfortable with your master's and with becoming a mom and, you know, all the crazy transitions that we've been going through enough where I can start taking time on the weekends to start riding again reintroduce myself to all that and hoping to race competitively in the 2020 season. So he had started riding more. And then in November, uh, 2019, November 23rd, 2019, Kevin had left on a bike ride, mountain bike ride that he had done from our home. So a lot of times if he was riding mountain bike, he wouldn't just throw his mountain bike in the back of the car. He wanted to get extra miles in. And so he was going to be riding in a town over from us and had asked if he could ride from the house there. He did that with some friends and then they were on their way home. So they had ridden their mountain bikes. They were on their way home. They were coming out of a city park and a man that was high on meth and drunk on alcohol decided to drive on the wrong side of the road going 65 miles an hour in a 25 mile an hour lane and hit Kevin around a blind curve and killed him instantly. So that's a very quick wrap up of how I became a widow. Um, And so, you know, nine and a half years of time just gone like that, you know, and all of a sudden I was left without a husband and to thrust into that life of becoming a solo parent. Yeah. As I would say cycling doesn't tend to be the most risky adventure sport, but like you definitely hear about people dying on their bikes. Was it something you Yes, it was definitely something that I worried about. We live in San Diego in California. And so unfortunately, cycling accidents here are not uncommon. Mm. And it definitely was worrisome for me. We always had a little GPS locator on our phones because he would ride to and from work. And some nights it would be late and dark. And oftentimes he would have a gravel bike. So it's a bike that you could ride on the road or in the dirt. And he would try his best to stay in the dirt because he knew, you know, especially at nighttime, people may turn into you, not see you. Ironically, the day that he was killed, I was not worried because I always felt more comfortable with him riding in a group because, and I'm a cyclist as well, or used to be, I don't really ride much anymore, but you are much more visible visible to, you know, drivers and other riders when you're in a large group. And I just figured, you know, he is going to be fine. And it was just like any other day, the way Kevin was killed is not common. He's like in your one percentile of cycling accidents, freak accidents, truly. But um, cycling deaths in the last five years have increased tremendously. So it was something I am an anxious person, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. And it was it was something that was always in the back of my mind that could happen. Yeah. Okay. Just so we have like plenty of time to get to all the things we really want to talk about. Do you want to tell us sort of how you transitioned into the dating world after your husband? So every single widow I've met has a totally different timeline, right? And Mm -hmm. the first year after Kevin was killed, I had no desire, none whatsoever to date. I, I mean, I was still at one point breastfeeding, just taking care of an infant. And my son had dramatically regressed in behavior Mm -hmm. and sleep patterns. And so I was completely sleep deprived and grieving. And that first year was just 
utter chaos and I didn't know up from down. And so, and then you have COVID that I feel like we don't talk a lot about because it seems like something, well, we don't want to think about it, but it impacted our lives greatly. And we had people spending the night with us, my mom, my sister, a bunch of girlfriends. But then when COVID hit, all that kind of went away. My sister got pregnant unexpectedly. And so many things happened and that support dwindled. And when that happened, I was like, okay, survival mode. I have, I knew this is strange, although maybe not strange to another widow, but like literally two days after Kevin was killed, I thought to myself, I can't do this alone. I can't not love someone again. I can't raise my son by myself without having a father figure. And I remember thinking like, wow, I'm a psycho. I'm already thinking about that (laughs) three days into being a widow. But it was like this revelation very quickly that I knew eventually that I would want those things for my life, but was nowhere near ready for it. Yeah, that's exactly where I was. Yeah, so... I was thinking about this on the drive home today. I think it was about the 14 month mark where I was like, oh, I miss being kissed. I -hmm. missed having a companion. And then I would push it aside. And then like got to this 16, 18 month mark and really started thinking about who would what I want in my life. And I just miss those little daily text messages and the check-ins and all the things that I just loved about, you know, having a companion in my life. And so it really didn't do much about it because I still had a really hard time. I met Kevin right when the whole online dating thing started to kind of get big. And so I... (laughs) it made me cringe. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want (laughs) to, I never really felt comfortable with dating around. And I just, the, the concept, although I have many friends who have met their match on dating sites, I wasn't ready. And I knew in my mind, I thought, okay, I want to meet someone organically. I don't want to push on this yet. I don't, I'm not ready to, I wasn't completely close to online dating, but I also knew that in that moment, I wasn't ready to create a profile or, you know, touch on that. So I really just kind of sat with the feelings for a while. And then right before the two year anniversary of Kevin's death, it was like, it was September, September Mm -hmm. of 2021. And a close friend of mine uh, became a widow and her Mm -hmm. husband died unexpectedly. And we very quickly bonded over that. Right. I mean, we had known each other since we were in middle school, but we hadn't been close in a very long time. And then she lost her husband and it was like an instant. I always say that when you become a widow, it's like all of a sudden you speak another language that no one is now understanding you. You you're trying to convey this message that to people that you've known forever and they don't understand you. And then you have this person that becomes a widow and now they speak your language. And so she and I were together a lot. And in October, we were in her garage hanging out with her boys. And she said to me, like most of us go through, she was like, can't do this alone. I feel guilty for saying it, but like, how do you do it? How, how I, I want a father figure. I already miss my husband. I miss being a wife. And we're just having these honest conversations. And I was agreeing with her and I was sharing with her, you know, I felt the same way and again, journeys look different. So some of my friends I knew dated early on, some were like me, were waiting, others waited years, there's no judgment. And we were just talking about it. And she just said, do you are you up to dating? And I really hadn't like sat with it in a while. It had been a couple months that I'd really thought with it. I'm like, yeah, I guess I am. And I said, I had this weird conversation with my mom and my sister a couple months ago about how I was like manifesting this human in my mind that I wanted to date. And I have no clue truly where this came from, but I was 36 at the time. And I had said to my mom, my sister, I want to meet a guy who's 40. No idea why I chose that number. Like I was like, 40 sounds like a great number. I wanted to meet someone who had been divorced. I wanted to meet someone that already had kids because at that point in my life, I was finally starting to kind of get in the groove with Lawson. And I was like, I truly don't know if I want to bear any kids of my own. There was a lot of complexities and thoughts that went along with that. But I wanted, I knew I wanted Lawson to have siblings 
figure, at least, you know, some type of sibling in their life. But so, yeah, so I was like, I want to meet someone who has kids already and is a father. And then I jokingly said to her, and if he's a fireman, like that would be just like (laughs) the icing on the cake. And she was like, uh, I literally have that person for you, like that exact Uh, person. And she said, this is crazy because actually after Kevin passed away, my girlfriend and her husband had talked about introducing me to this guy. And they were like, oh, he's newly divorced. She's newly widowed. It probably would be a little bit messy. We don't know. We like are erring on the side of caution here. We don't know, you know, if it would hurt feelings or if it would just be the right time. So they never said anything. So she was like, okay, well, can I give him your number? And I'm like, Ooh, actually, I don't know. I don't know. I like now, now I'm like backpedaling. I'm like, I don't know if I would be able to do this. And so I ended up leaving her house that night saying, no, you know, I'm going to think about it for a bit. Yeah. And I'm at work the next day and she texts me and she says, please don't hate me, but I sent your picture to him and he (laughs) wants to take you on a date. Can I please, please, please give him your phone number? And I just thought, my a girlfriend of mine, Amanda, came into my head and she had told me a long time ago, you're never going to be ready, truly ready. It's not like you wake up one day and you're just like, today's it. Today's the day. Yeah, but for sure. what I knew was true was that it felt right. And what I mean by that, like my mind was in the right space. So I knew I missed companionship. I knew I wanted a father figure for my son. I knew that I had a lot to give. Yeah, I wanted to be loved. And so I was like, Let's just jump in. Like, let's do this and go on a date. And the worst thing that happens is it doesn't work out or it's great, right? How many romantic comedies have you seen that end with one of the love interests dying? What if there was a movie that begins where those movies end? So there's a new movie being made. It's called Too Soon, and it's a romantic comedy that tackles the underrepresented journey of falling in love again after death. And for as little as $100, you can actually own equity in the film at wefunder.com slash too soon. So here's the story. It follows a young widow and widower who meet by chance, kind of in this dark humor way, on the day of their spouse's funeral. As they work through their grief, using music to process and humor to cope, their friendship starts to mean more, begging the question, when is it too soon? A question we have all asked. I'm so excited about this film. It's going to entertain and tackle the grieving process of widowhood in a way that no other film really has done before. Help bring this heartfelt, timely story to life by becoming an actual investor at wefunder.com slash too soon. That's right. It's not a donation. It's an investment. Join our team at wefunder.com slash too soon today and become an investor in too soon, a new romantic comedy about loving again after loss. That's wefunder.com slash too soon. W-E-F-U-N-D-E-R dot com slash T-O-O-S-O-O-N. Go check it out. So most importantly, was he a firefighter? He was. He was. (laughs) He is. This is so funny because the girls from Costa, all the girls who went to Costa Rica, there's just like this ongoing thing about girls wanting firefighters. It's like everyone's looking for a firefighter. Hero. A hero, right? I I think we all, well, it goes back to the conversation that I was saying to you that I think on such an unconscious level, we want someone to rescue us. And it's again, something that I think a lot of us deny because I know for myself, I'm a very independent person. I was raised that way as a child. I was like that in my marriage. I mean, when Kevin and I were, when we came together, we were two whole independent people coming together as, you know, a, a great partnership and team. And so to say I wanted someone to come in and save me from the ache and the pain or save my son from being fatherless or whatever, it was that was something that I didn't admit. And it was something that I had to reflect on later. But I'm sure that that like policemen, firemen, like the people who are there just risking their lives and um, we do look up to in society, it makes sense, right? That we would feel like that. So yeah, so he, he is. And I don't know, I, I've i always had an appreciation for firemen also. So I think there was a piece of that. Who doesn't? 
This is so <laughs> interesting how that all played out. So yeah. we started talking via text message and then like two weeks into conversations, he was instantly, I was instantly attracted to just like super witty, smart guy, um, just making me laugh. And, you know, we had a lot of things in common and we were just, our conversations were flowing. So I was like, okay, we'll go on a date. So we went on a date like two weeks into talking mm-hmm. and I remember we went on our first date and I, I wasn't sure I, I, it wasn't like I got there and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, sparks flying. This is it. Um, he was not my typical style or look, I should say, you know, and he was a little bit shorter than I was used to, but he had this beautiful smile and gorgeous blue eyes. And we had a lot of really good conversations. We had a lot of hard and heavy conversations like right off the bat. He wasn't even officially divorced. He had been separated for nine months. And again, with COVID, everything was being pushed back. He knew that there was no reconciling his marriage and it was made very clear and he felt he was ready to move forward. And so we just had a lot of these conversations about how both of us had the similarity of a death, right? A death of a marriage in one way or another, how we had both wanted to be, never thought we wouldn't be someone's spouse. We always thought we were going to be married and how that was a goal for us. Um, I right off the bat just said, like, these are the things I'm looking for. I want to be a wife again. I want someone to be my son's father figure and to love him unconditionally or love him like their own child. And uh, here are some boundaries that I have, some, you know, all those things. And and he shared with me the same stuff. And he shared some information with me that night, too, just about some things that had gone on in his life that... I had thought that night, okay, I need to make some space for it and see if this is something that I'm ready to continue to move forward with. And so we, we kept talking and I decided it was, this was all in the first night, like all those big, deep conversations. Yep. And, yeah. yeah. Like right off the bat, we were like, Hey, I was like, I'm 36, you're 40. Let's have the real stuff. Like yeah, we and I'm that way. Stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just a little bit bold, I guess you would say. And I was kind of like, is this, if this is going to scare someone off, then so be it because I'm going to need a tough human being to be with me anyways, with the circumstances that we're in. And so I'm going to lay it out there and I'm going to be completely honest about what I'm looking for, because if you are scared, then you're not the person for this ride. Yeah. I think there are some things you're saying too, that I think will be helpful for people because I just did like a question for everybody about red flags that they worry about. And one of them that came up several times was men who are separated, but not divorced. And so I think this is interesting, right? Because I I know this does happen where men who are separated start to date before they're officially divorced. And I think people worry about that. So it's just good to hear that it's not always a red flag. No, I do. I, yes, we can talk about that. I can, I'll, I'll definitely share all of those things with you. Um, because I don't think he was ready. And we can look back now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been together for off and on for mm-hmm. over a year and a half now. And a mm-hmm. big piece of that was because he was only nine months out of separating from someone he was with and loved for the last 15 years and had, had children mm-hmm. with. And I just think that I'm super fortunate in in a circumstance where he's been able to be super self-aware and reflective and realize that, oh yeah, now looking back, I probably wasn't ready and in the right space, but um, I'm willing to do like the deep dives and grow and learn from all that and, you know, be where we're at now. But um, it took time and I do understand. And I, ironically, he was concerned about me because he was the first person that I had ever gone on a date with. And so he was like, mm. Oh, like, I'm not sure. He's like, you haven't dated around quote unquote. And I am not that way. And I had said to him, that's not something you need to be concerned about with me personally, because I'm not looking to date around. I feel very comfortable in what I want. I had a 
extremely successful marriage. Yes, we had our own ish, but our marriage was successful. I know the things that spoke to me and I know the things that I'm looking for that I want to be different in the next relationship. So I'm not looking to like date seven guys. And then, you know, number eight is it was like, if this works, this works. Um, So it's funny that he was the one that was concerned. And then later on in our relationship, I was like, I guess I probably should have had a little bit more apprehension that he was only nine months out of a marriage. (laughs) Okay. So you guys have, do you want to talk about why you broke up? How, or what all of that? Or do you want to just talk about where you are now? No, we can talk about why we broke up. And so again, our relationship, I, you know, you said, and this is something that I strive to be, is just real and honest Mm -hmm. and vulnerable Mm -hmm. on my my Instagram page and just in life in general, very transparent. This has not been a walk in the park. I think that my boyfriend is amazing. And I think that he has some awesome qualities and we together have some awesome qualities, but about six months into our relationship, I started to recognize some boundaries were being crossed Mm -hmm. and some pull away from him he was now officially in, he was divorced and he was dealing with selling a home and splitting finances and what child support was going to look like. And if he was going to have to be paying alimony, so many super stressful things that you, that I didn't understand in that time because I hadn't experienced it. I mean, I empathize and I knew that it was going to be hard, but we just started having some hardships and he was really starting to shut down and not be available for me or Lawson. And so I ended up breaking up with him and just saying, you know, I don't think that this is the right time. It doesn't feel right. I explicitly stated to you what I wanted when we first met and that's dwindling and I don't know why. And I don't think you know why. So we broke up and then maybe a month later, it was like he came back and said, okay, I've been thinking and you're right. And I wasn't showing up. And this is, you know, he's someone who's always, which I'm grateful for, wants to take action. So this is what I'm going to do moving forward. These are the things that I've recognized. I haven't been available for you in a way that I'd like to. So interestingly enough, then when we decided we were going to work it out, I started having severe relationship anxiety. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, this is familiar. Um, I haven't dealt with this in like 10 years, but here's yeah. some shit that I have that I have buried and that I no longer had issues with, with Kevin, because over that nine and a half years time, he really knew how to speak to me and how yeah. to kind mm-hmm. of ease some of my anxiety, but I've been an anxious person my whole life. And yeah. so unfortunately for me and my boyfriend, now it was my turn to be like super hyper-focused on what might not be working Mm. and why, you know, now I'm, now I'm anxious. Now I'm like, all right, I'm trying this thing again, but like, I'm more cautious. Are you going to hurt us? Are you going to cross a boundary again? And just really fixated and started ruminating on those things. And what you and I talked about recently was I started comparing. Yeah. And I'm on social media and I'm scrolling through all my widow sisters pages. And here we are, we're in love. And this is God's gift to me and my true North. And you are the best father figure for my children. I couldn't ask for something better. This is, you know, feels like perfection, all of these things. And it only made my relationship anxiety worse. Why do I feel this way? Is it intuition? Is it my anxiety? I need to pull away. This is terrifying. Um, There must be a reason I'm feeling these things. And for people that don't understand one anxiety or two relationship anxiety, relationship anxiety definitely causes people to self-sabotage and Mm -hmm. to ruminate and to pull away even from the best relationships. and. Because we were still working on our relationship and really trying to sync up, it wasn't like this perfect relationship and, oh, I'm self-sabotaging. It was like, oh, well, there is room for improvement. So, like, I'm going to pull at all that and I'm going to make it mean something way more than it needs to. 
Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until because we had gotten back together like August of last year. And it wasn't until February of this year that I finally said, ah, I can't do this. I mm-hmm. am miserable with myself, not even just in the relationship, but like with overanalyzing everything. He, I was like, you deserve more than this. I'm not showing up for you the way that you should be shown up for. And I'm still just completely spiraling in these what ifs and shoulds and expectations that oftentimes I think weren't even realistic. Yeah. And so I think that's actually when you and I started talking like February, March or March, maybe. And since then, we've both just taken huge deep dives into like our own personal work. And that's where I feel like we're finally cultivating and co-creating a relationship that's like true to us. But it's been me investigating and attending webinars on relationship anxiety and really Mm. trying to get to the root of the cause of why I do what I do and why I think the way that I do. And then for my boyfriend, it's been a lot of, oh, I need to take some dives into my true healing and really grieving. And I think, and, and he had been doing that, but recognizing, oh yeah, I wasn't in the right space when we first started dating a year and a half ago. I was actually in a really unhealthy space and I was numbing in unhealthy ways. And I was doing things to sabotage our relationship because I didn't think I was worthy of your love and your time and your attention. And yeah. so we have come back together just in on such a deeper emotional level than we ever had before. And I will say, I don't know what it will, the end result will be. I don't think any of us do. Right. Because even when I thought that Kevin was the one forever, he wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to take it day by day and appreciate all the things that we've become, who we've become for each other, who we've become for ourselves, for our children. And then give some grace there too, because I have realized that the expectations that I had for him or any man stepping into my son's life was that he was just going to instantly love my child unconditionally. All all that whining, all that baggage, all that drama, everything. And then when I step back, I'm like, was I even doing that for his children as well? Oh my gosh. It takes time. That's a big thing for me because a lot of times I'm very critical of things my boyfriend's doing. And then I like turn around and I look at myself and I'm like, oh shit, I'm not doing that for him. Or like, like I'm being super selfish. Why, why would I expect him to not be? And parenting thing, like when I, the biggest thing that gets me when we're talking about comparison is when I look at, there's like a couple families in particular and I'm so happy for them. I want to emphasize that, but like I watch and I'm like, how is this so seamless? How did this man right. swoop into your family? And right. like, everybody just loves each other. And it's easy, like he's the dad. And in my household, it, it's not like that. My right. daughter, very like, you know, and everybody's sort of tiptoeing still two years later, you know, because right. it's just hard. It's just and it hard. needs to be talked about more. Because honestly, some of the women I'm closest with in, you know, Southern California, in in San Diego in particular, we get together and we have these honest conversations about the hardships of a person walking into our lives and attempting to love our child, our child mm-hmm. who we do love unconditionally, who we saw their father loved them unconditionally and, and in the way in which they, you know, whatever type of parenting style that was. And now yeah. we're like, Hey, but you need to do these exact same things yeah. because something that right. I've noticed with my boyfriend is that he's never going to have the same parenting style as Kevin. He's just not. Me too. <laughs> and so either so- I accept that because actually my dad was the one that put me in check the other, the other month. He's like, he said, um, what did I say? I was like, I said something along the lines of, but he should be doing this. And my dad said, who says so you or Lawson? Because I'm pretty sure Lawson adores him. So Mm. who is this benefiting? Who, why are you continuing to believe it has to look a certain way just because with Kevin, it did, you know, I've had other widow sisters say, 
while I've dated someone who's loved my kids unconditionally and can't show up for me emotionally, Mm -hmm. or I've loved and cared for people and dated people who love me and don't have a clue how to show up for my kids. So I think something that I'm learning, and it's it's such a valuable lesson, I think, for anyone, but especially for widows, because I think there's just so much more to it since we are solo parents oftentimes. And we do have these expectations of what we want that person, our spouse to look like is giving grace and communicating what you need. And then also spending some time truly evaluating your expectations, because that's what I've had to really sit with now. It's like, do I, does he truly need that? Or am I the one who's putting that expectation on, on my boyfriend and on Lawson? Let them guide you and let their relationship evolve over time. I am someone who is terrible with not seeing instant results. Me too. I told you Mm -hmm. I need this. So make it happen. (laughs) Like tomorrow, I need you to be this person. And something that I've noticed in my relationship is even though we've had hardships and even though there have been times where I'm like, is this quote unquote, the right person I'm supposed to be with. Yeah, we I have someone in my life who is willing to learn and grow, who's Mm -hmm. not going anywhere, who will literally Mm -hmm. allow me to be whoever I need to be whenever I need to be that person. He has never shied away from a hard conversation. He allows me to say what is ever on my mind. Um, Mm -hmm. So supportive, you know, and (laughs) I then again, hyper focus on the the negatives. And so I've had to just step back and say, like, this isn't perfect. Nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect. And we make it what we want to make it. If you are, if you have the right partner in the sense that they're willing to learn and grow with you, what a beautiful starting point you have. Yeah. I just was talking through this in therapy the other week because I was saying, okay, there are these issues that have come up and I can't seem to get over them mentally. There's like two or three issues and honestly, they're like political issues. Like we see, we like see things differently, very differently in a couple political things. And she was like, if it's not this issue, it's going to be something else. No, like no relationship is immune from these things. So like, is he giving you everything else you need? Right. Is he providing the basic essentials for you? And do you love him? She's like, you're going to pick at that in anybody And she's like, also, you're kind of at that point in the relationship. The honeymoon phase sort of is over and now it's time to really look and evaluate. And, and I think that that's true to an extent, but like, I'm, I'm with you where like, it's really hard to not look at those things and be like, is this the right one? Right. And especially when you see it as other people, I laugh because my late husband and I at the time had such different political views. (laughs) So it's funny you say that. And I, but we respected one another. And for me, that was something that I was okay with. But my mom and my dad have been together for 50 years. And my mom always says, pick your shit because everyone has it. So what are you willing to deal with? And what are your non-negotiables? And it's the same thing. Like we very rarely look at our own shit, right? Like I'm like, oh dang, I'm high maintenance. Like I have extremely high standards. (laughs) I have anxiety. I'm a widow with a, you know, solo parenting a hundred percent of the time. Not to say that that's a negative thing, but for some people that's going to be challenging. And even having, you know, someone come into your life that is having to co-parent with you and know that they have your child 100% of the time when they don't have their own children 100%. There's so many different dynamics. And, you know, yeah, I think that one's so hard. Like even for me, I think I have more anxiety about that than my boyfriend even does, where I'm just like, if we move in together, then you have to parent all the time. And you haven't parented all the time for like five years. Right, right. Are you ready? (laughs) You know, right. And for me, those are like my big triggers. And I'll just be completely honest. I mean, when I go onto social media and here I see people and, and to your point, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for these people who have found that in their relationship, but like, Ooh, is it a little salty on my wound? Yes. Because I'm like, oh, like he just looks like he just parents 
so easily and just takes them mm-hmm. on in this beautiful, seamless way. But what I don't step back to sometimes think about is like when I said, I want someone to love my son like their own. What I really meant was I want someone to love my son the way I want him to be loved. Because mm-hmm. in my relationship, my boyfriend does love my child like his own. Yeah. His parenting style is different than which makes me go, oh, but he doesn't love him like his own. Well, no, that's not true. It's just not in the way in which you perceive it, quote unquote, should be or should yeah. look like. And then when I seek it out on Instagram, on other people's social media, that's what it's supposed to look like. That's what it's supposed to look like. It's like, and I don't even know real life. Like that's just your highlights, right? And so happy for all my friends that have that. But it definitely like in a time where I have experienced a lot of anxiety is also a struggle for me. And I, I have put myself in check to get off so, social media and just yeah. be in the present moment. Stop constantly fixating on things that are, that you don't know anything about. Like truly, we don't yeah. know anything yeah. about what's going on in other people's life and what other people's crap is. Cause everyone has That's it. Right. That's what I was going to say. Even those guys that look like they've swooped in and been great dads, they have stuff that they're right spouse or their partner is annoyed with or is comparing in other people's relationships, I'm sure. So I'm with you. And I think it's really good that you wanted to talk specifically about this, because I think it's one of the things for me early on that I was like, constantly picking apart the negatives. That doesn't mean he's wrong for me. It just means he's got his stuff just like I have mine. He does. And I think something that I found very empowering within the last couple of months doing my own research and dives is that there isn't, I I actually, I knew this on a deeper level. Like there isn't the one, there isn't the right one. I mean, even when Kevin and I were married, we would even say that like, no, there's not one soulmate for you. We're just so fortunate to have met one another and had a really strong relationship. But what I find empowering now is like, I get to choose. So this isn't some fateful thing where the higher powers dropped this person down to me and it was just meant to be. I mean, I do think there was some serendipity in in the way in which we met, but it's like we are, we have to choose one another on the daily. And, you know, what that looks like in every single relationship is different because your standards are different than my standards. Your needs are different than mine. Your hype about things may be different. Something else that we struggled with in the beginning that we didn't even realize was we really didn't even have a honeymoon phase because, and if I ever did this again, I think I would do it differently, but we introduced the kids almost right away on our second date. We did a picnic with the kids. Mm. So the kids had no clue. It was a date. They were just like, wow, I just met a new friend. This is awesome. But we had a full on picnic. We just chatted all evening. The kids played, but we introduced them so quickly that we began a co-parenting relationship very, very quickly on. And because my boyfriend valued his time with his kids, he had 50-50 custody and he just wanted every moment with them when when he had them that we kind of took the back burner. And so those are conversations that we've had too. Like we didn't have the true opportunities to get to know one another like Kevin and I did. Kevin and I had, oh my gosh, gosh, seven and a half years of Mm -hmm. traveling on our own, learning one another, going through the highs and the lows, truly developing our relationship. And so that's something that we've discussed over the last couple of months is like really being intentional and setting alone time for ourselves to check in. But we have crazy schedules. I'm an assistant Mm -hmm. principal. He's a fireman. We then have the kids. I have kids. So we don't even get to see each other often. I'm Monday through Friday. He's on those 24-hour shifts. And so etching out time to really spend intentionally with one another to have the deep, intimate conversations that we need to grow and learn one another better. They have, you know, been few and far between. And so moving forward, we we are going to be a lot better about making that time for each other. Yeah, I think that's really important. We've talked about that too. And somebody said to me a while ago, I was saying like I was feeling guilty about 
how I was spending my money, like that I was traveling and I felt guilty about that. And she said, if you can afford it, if you can do it responsibly, you're allowed to spend your money however you want. And I remember in that moment thinking like, yeah, I'm going to actually just get a babysitter once a month or whatever it is and just use my money that way because this is really important. Like really important. And I think he and I are very good about making time for each other, but like a lot of our relationship development is just on the phone every night. Right. And that's awesome too. Yeah, Yeah. it is. And so I go to bed with my son still. And so does he oftentimes. It's like we just conk out. So we'll figure it out. We talked about two, even just on Sundays, getting a babysitter, like you said. And I live minutes from hiking trails and biking Mm -hmm. and all that sorts of thing. And we're like, let's just either go grab a coffee or go on a hike and spend one to two hours alone time every other Sunday, or let's just even start with once a month and then go from there. But really carving out our own time so that we have, you know, the conversations that we need to have as adults. Yeah. Because it's a whole different ball game at this stage of life. Yeah. Are there things that, that you've wanted to talk about that you don't feel like we've covered yet? Not really. I would say, you know, I think it's important to, which you probably already had these conversations with other people, but it's just so important to not hold your new person to the standards that your last partner had, your late spouse had. And not to say lessen them. They're just different. Like some of the ways in which Kevin was made available to me, like Kevin was a super handsy guy. He could build anything. He was a general contractor. He literally could build anything. We had a 60-year-old home, renovated everything for us. And there were just other aspects of Kevin that I initially had put on my boyfriend. Like, why doesn't he? You know, he's paying for someone to help because he can't do it. Whereas Mm -hmm. now I'm like, oh, but then there are some really special things about him that Kevin couldn't provide me. He just did not know how to be available in certain aspects that my boyfriend now does. And that I need now because you aren't the same person you are Mm -hmm. after death. You're just not, I am such a different human. And (laughs) I posted about this a while ago and I did get a big response. I said that I don't even know if Kevin and I would be together. Like if Kevin and I met now, would we still have the same type of relationship or would we even be in relationship based on the needs I have now versus the needs I had then. Because now I need someone to show up with more vulnerability and more flexibility. And that wasn't always something that was a strong suit of Kevin's. But with my boyfriend now, he is, and he's learning even to lean into that even more. And so they're just, you know, again, they're just different people. It's going to be different. It's going to look different. And then that means it's going to feel different. And I think I've done a lot of judging on how Mm -hmm. I felt in my marriage and how I felt when Kevin and I first met. We had all the honeymoon. We were young and things were super passionate. And there was this instant, you know, connection. And it was like, oh, well, if I don't have all of these things line up the exact same way, with my boyfriend now, then this just must mean something's wrong or off or whatever. And you mentioned your therapist and I've talked to my therapist too. And she's literally said like, I worry about you sometimes because Mm. I think that there are some things that you need to let go of. Mm. Um, You're holding on tight to these memories and expectations of someone else that's not here. And now you're with a new someone who's just so different and it's going to look and feel different. And one of my widow sisters always says like, yeah, those little rainbow lenses are gone. You don't live Mm -hmm. in that world anymore. You know who you were before your life was turned upside down. Yeah. This concept that you get together with other widows in the San Diego area and like kind of talk about these things. I think that's really powerful. And I'm just thinking about how like, you know, when you're first married or married in general before your spouse dies, there's a lot of like 
I don't know, maybe not a lot, but like, there's definitely some like bitching about your husband, right? Like when you get together with your girlfriends and you're like, oh, "Oh, it was so annoying. He did this, he did that. But I think, and I wonder if this is part of just the whole picture. I think we're reluctant to do that now that we're dating again, because at least for me, I don't complain about my boyfriend to anybody because I want them to love him. I want them to trust that I've made a good decision. Yeah. I want me to know I've made a good decision. Right. I just don't do that. So instead I'm holding it in and I don't have anybody except my therapist telling me, yeah, that's totally normal that he does that. I don't have that like girlfriend camaraderie. We need people to put us in check. This new relationship, right? Because I'm trying to make sure it's perfect. (laughs) Right. And then, and then there's that. I remember my boyfriend saying, I feel like you're, you're striving for a unicorn. Mm. And I remember being like, no, I don't expect perfection. And then I'm like, oh, well, he just did this. And now I want him to do this. Oh, he just stepped up in this way. And now I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, no, I am doing that. I am striving for something and not giving in on anything. And I think part of that is, oh, like has to do with trauma and loss too. After Kevin died, I was like, I'm going to have the best life and live the best way and and be loved fully (laughs) and love someone fully. And it's going to be magical. And it's going to be a fairy tale because I deserve this and we deserve this. And I'm giggling because I cannot relate at all. I don't know what you're talking (laughs) about. (laughs) Like, and so when those, when you are brought back down to earth Mm -hmm. and that's not your reality because that's not realistic. Even if some people experience that in the beginning, but yeah. your stuff that was there before is still going to be here. It's going to show yeah. up at some point. And when it showed up for me, I was like, oh, I'm disappointed. Yeah. This must mean you're doing something wrong in the relationship because I don't feel bliss. Like I don't feel constantly whatever it was. And this yeah. is my one and only life. And I, yeah. and since Kevin died, I've, also experienced some other deaths in my life. And every time something like that happens and I lose someone close to me that like just happened to me in the beginning of this year that was young and had tons of life left to live. I'm like, I again, go into this space of like, am I living my best life? And is this true to who I am? And am I with the right person? And am I making all the perfect right choices? And we don't even have those answers. Totally. It should feel I, right. It should feel right a lot of the time, yeah. but it's not going to be perfect. And it's, it, it's yeah. easier said than done. I do this thing. I've noticed that I never used to do with my husband where like, I feel probably 95% of the time now, so confident that my boyfriend is, he's the one I want to be with in the long run. But then when we get in an argument, like this just happened yesterday, we were like in it and we were just like, arguing and and then I'm questioning everything about the relationship exact same thing that's really good to know actually I do the exact same thing and honestly uh so I'm very fortunate that I've met someone where we're not like fighters like we we disagree we have disagreements but like we can have these really respectful conversations with one another but I am a (laughs) extreme feeler Like Mm -hmm. I feel energy all like through and I've been this Mm -hmm. way since I was a little girl. And when he comes off a super hard shift and then he's thrust into parenting his own kids or Lawson, he can become his energy. I can feel it like becomes very depleted and he has less patience and he has um, less warmth about him. And I do what you did. Oh, yeah. Making the right choice the person that I I'm supposed to be with, they don't get to, they, they shouldn't behave this way. Why isn't he happy go lucky? Like he's normally happy go lucky. And when we actually have been in therapy together and I got very lucky because our therapist was not only grief informed, but she works with first responders. And she was like, this is real life. Like when your person gets off of a shift where they've seen tons of death and they've experienced all sorts of things like they have a really hard time transitioning back into that real world, especially for 24 hours. And I was just like, no, I need consistency. I need Mm. him to be the exact person every single day and show up in this fluffy, kind, considerate, patient way. And then when you and I were talking about in the beginning of like, we don't even do that ourselves. Like I remember just sitting back and being like, I have moods too. We all have moods and that's okay. Like I don't need to take that on. 
that's something I'm working on. Like he's allowed that time. He's allowed to be tired. He's allowed to be overwhelmed. So something else that I'm terrible with is that if he's exhausted by the kids, I get really hard on him about it. Like, no, you should want to be. This is probably a teacher thing. Cause me too. I'm like, I know children and you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't question me. I'm like, I'm not asking you how to put out a fire. Like you believe me when I tell you that I know how to handle the kids and he can be sharp with them when he's tired. And so then I go into this whole thing, like you should know, or you should behave, or you should want to be with them a hundred percent of the time. And yeah, are there some dads out there that are like that? They just want to be with their kids all the time. Yeah. I think Kevin was one of them. Like I literally would have to convince Kevin to want to go on a date with me and not bring Lawson. I'm like, come on, like we need some time. But not every person's that way. I'm not even like that. So why am I holding these expectations and standards for someone else when I don't even, when I unplug, I get on my phone, I don't pay attention sometimes, I'm not present sometimes. And yet I'm like, you need to be fully present all the time. Fully loving, fully patient. (laughs) So yeah. And the thing is for our partner to show us all those sides of themselves, right? Like the the warm and compassionate side and that cuddly side. And then also like this frustrated or short or whatever, tired person, like that means we're in it with them and that we're getting to a place that's really real. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I think that's really good. That's where the, that's where the good stuff is. It's just, you know, you want it to be, you don't want any of that for me. I don't want any of the hard stuff. I'm like, I've already been through hard stuff. (laughs) Give me easy, all the easy. No, I know. But ironically, I find this quote, nothing worthwhile is instant. I've always been drawn to it. And there's so much value and truth behind it. Uh, We actually just read together the eight rules of love by Jay Shetty. And yeah, me too. And it discusses how love is a journey, right? We all know it. But we think it's the final destination. We think we meet someone and it's just like, okay, now all the easy stuff is here. Well, oftentimes when you meet someone whom you love well, you're going to actually be challenged more. Your your ish is going to come up. They're going to mirror that for you sometimes. And it's not always easy and it's not always comfortable. There's been a lot of apologies on my end in the last year and some change that we've been together. Like, oh yeah, you're right. I I didn't need to do that. I didn't need to say that. I didn't need to have those expectations on you. So again, I hope for us that we're in it for the long haul too. I think that I have someone that loves me just fully and wants to be with me for as long as either one of us is here and wants to show up for my son and is learning how to show up for him in ways that I feel it needs to look. And, but also I'm also allowing him to show up in ways that Lawson is showing me, you know, he needs from him and and how he wants to show him that. So I do hope that the end result is that we're together for the long haul, but regardless, I am also trying to just soak in all of the learning because I've become such a better communicator and someone who's learned to love more deeply than I ever have before. And I think that would have probably happened without him. I think that just kind of who I became after losing Kevin, but I've been able to like show all those things to him. And I know I'm becoming a better partner regardless of our outcome and, you know, and our future. So been a wild ride, but I'm very appreciative. For sure. I I echo all those sentiments. Can we do quick questions? Yeah. Okay. And so we know you didn't online date, correct? Never made a profile? No. Do you see yourself getting married again someday? Yes. Okay. More kids? I don't want more kids of my own, but I would love to be able to blend that family and have uh, siblings for Lawson for sure. Okay. Did you have sleepovers in your bed you shared with Kevin? Yes, ish. It's funny. I had, we had just gotten a new bed. So like literally a month before Kevin was killed, we had gotten a new bed. So, I mean, yes, but it was like brand new. So then I was like, I'm not getting rid of this bed. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. yeah. What did you do with your wedding ring? 
I still have it. Um, so at the year anniversary, I got Kevin's signature tattooed on my ring finger. And I mm. moved my wedding band over to my right hand. And then I put our engagement ring, which was actually Kevin's grandmother's ring, um, in a, a safe for my son to have when he's old enough and wants it. Nice. Yeah. So I know you didn't really start dating until about two years, but did you feel the widow's fire? Yes, but not until I started dating my boyfriend. Like once we started having uh, conversations, I was like, oh, there it is. Whereas I know other people are like instantly like, I just want to fling like six months in, year in. Like I just want to have sex. That was not me. But then when I got there, I was like, oh, yes, I want this and need this all the time. Yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. I've been missing um, out. Can you tell us about your song recommendation? Glitter by Patrick so, Right. And it's so funny because actually I was like, I don't even know. I don't even think. So this is not like a dating one. This is just a grief song yeah, that had great. like we like. I think someone had posted a while ago and it just it's like I said, it's like the I don't even know if I would say it's the grief journey because I'm not. I can't think of like the specific lyrics. You'll have to listen to it, but it's just how grief is like glitter and how it falls all around us. And you never are able to pick everything up. Um, Mm. You know, it's, it's constantly there and it will always be there. You're going to find that glitter and confetti or whatever it is in in your carpet and in your clothes (laughs) for lifetime. That's brilliant. What is something you're really looking forward to in life or what Or, or dating? It's up to you. So what I'm really looking forward to is continuing to push myself professionally um, and personally. So I would love to get out of education at some point. And some of the reasons I have behind that are because I just want more time with my son. I want a more flexible schedule. I've actually felt this way for a really long time. I would love to be able to get out and have something that I can create and that I can do on my own. Right now, I'm waking up at like 4.30 or 5 in the morning to exercise, dropping Lawson off at 6.30 for preschool, picking him up right before 5. It's just, it's exhausting. So uh, my boyfriend and I, he's actually been very helpful with that. And he's been helping me kind of just create some vision boards for what I want the next few years to look like and how I can, I can hopefully move out of this profession at some point. It's been an amazing profession and it's served me so well, but yeah, so my end goal would be to be a part-time worker and be able to just take more on with my little one. And any other kids I have, you know, whether it's my boyfriend's kids, whatever it may be, just more time with them. And then personally, I'm still (sighs) becoming a solo parent was insanely, insanely challenging for me. I was not the best version of myself. I was super nasty, like trying to grieve the loss of my husband and then also parent an infant who was like waking up every two hours of the night and... I, I just, you know, you can't have shame and guilt and regret for what you did because you're just in survival. But I, I know I have the capacity still to this day to be more patient, more loving and a better uh, parent and a better partner. So those are just some personal goals that I have for myself over the next year, two years to really just dive in, take the courses and learn, learn, learn and grow and yeah. uh build the life that I want that, you know, I know is available to me. Yeah. Lauren, I'm, I'm really grateful that you wanted to talk about this specific thing because it's different than what we've talked about before. And I really think it's going to relieve a lot of people of a lot of similar anxiety, myself included. (laughs) I'm glad. I hope so. Because I do think that there are many of us out there and mm-hmm. to your point earlier of not wanting to say things to people, I think yeah. that is way more prevalent than yeah. the me who maybe word vomits a little too much. <laughs> but, you know, at the sake of creating connection with people, I 
have always just valued deep connection with people. And I think the only way to do that is to live authentically and to be real. I think I can reel it in sometimes and be a little bit more private. And that's something that I've learned too. Like you don't have to air everything to everyone because everyone has opinions and now you're going to be spiraling. But um, (laughs) there's definitely a delicate balance. And I just know for myself that if I'm experiencing it, at least someone else is experiencing that. And you don't have books on relationship anxiety and you don't have books on dating after death and all the things because it just blissful and perfect and peaceful every single time. Yeah. Um, I, I hope people will hear this, that what you just said, because I think almost every time I post anything on dating after death, people say, I'm so glad I thought I was the only one. Right. And so just like the message is you are never the only one feeling anything and a lot of us are feeling similar things yeah that's why I'm so thankful for like all the guests who come on and then are very vulnerable and raw and we need people like you who are just going to say it all so thank you well I mean totally off the subject but I hope I get to do one of these trips with you guys there was just so much joy on all of your faces and I think that Uh that is something that I've been so fortunate to have with sadly so many widows being local but also fortunately yeah. so many young widows being local that like we have this tight-knit group that like leans on one another and has the yeah. honest conversations and the real conversations and there is true joy to be had in those conversations and in those connections oh, totally. with people yeah yeah totally I mean that's something awesome that's come out of Costa Rica is like that group chat keeps going. And like, once you meet people, it's so different. And and like, girls are like, I don't know who to talk to about this. So now I'm, we're like hearing each other's dating updates and the widow community thing is, it's really like powerful. It really is. You know, it's just, I know this is why I love Instagram for this. I mean, there are downfalls, but yeah, it's been huge. So no, and you're right. And, um, it's, it, there are more pros than cons. Lauren and I continued to chat after this, just talking a little bit more on the private side about some of the challenges. And like I said, it's just one of those things. Like I cut stuff out of this episode that I said to her that I didn't really want in public. So just remember that when you're going through things with your person. This community is a wonderful resource and it doesn't always show hundred percent accurate picture we're all flawed and we learn to love each other with those things as well we actually only have two more weeks before i go on to summer break but the page will continue and there are probably some changes ahead which i'm sure i will come on and talk to you about at some point so stay tuned for all of those things in the meantime I'm going to do that thing that podcast hosts do and say, subscribe to the podcast, like the things, submit a review, check out the Patreon. If you like the podcast, there's more there about my life and experience, stuff I wouldn't normally say in public. So if you're interested in more, that's the place for it. It's patreon.com slash dating after death. All right. Hope to see you over there. I wish for you a steady week ahead. Goodbye.